Hello and welcome to this science special edition of the RHS Gardening Podcast. 2016 finds gardening science and the RHS at a crossroads with more RHS members than ever before, more plants available and more sophisticated technology to support both scientists and gardeners. Opportunities have never been greater. However, new threats from pests and diseases, climate change and changing lifestyles mean that all is not rosy out there in the garden. The RHS has been at the forefront of gardening science since 1868 when it formed its first scientific committee with members including botanists, plant collectors and a certain biologist called Charles Darwin. Nearly 150 years on, we've launched a five-year science strategy which aims to help UK's 27 million gardeners adapt to the changes ahead. We're aiming to build a more resilient gardening community that not only enjoys gardens but also understands how important plants are and manages its impact on the environment. I'm Jenny Bowden, one of the horticultural advisors based here at RHS Garden Wisley in Surrey. Coming up, we'll be hearing from RHS Director General Sue Biggs, Director of Science Dr Alastair Griffiths and key members of the RHS science team. We'll hear how a new science centre at Wisley will be helping gardeners by improving knowledge in key areas such as identifying and managing pests and diseases, promoting environmentally sound gardening practices and working with you, the gardeners of the UK, to share the latest intelligence on garden plants. So, here's Chris Young, editor of The Garden magazine, speaking to Director General Sue Biggs and Director of Science Dr Alastair Griffiths about the new five-year science strategy. I'm Chris Young, editor of The Garden, the RHS magazine, and I'm joined today by Sue Biggs and Dr Alistair Griffiths. Uh, Sue, can you explain, first off, the RHS vision? This is a new document we've created. Uh, why, why have we got it? Why do we need it? Well, it's really more than a document. It's about the way we work and our aspirations for the future. So in that, we announced a £160 million investment. And that really, we hope, is going to change the future for horticulture in this country, not only for people, but for plants and for the planet as well. And science, of course, is a major, major part of that. But I mean, our overall vision from this document is really to make sure that we enrich everyone's life through plants and make the UK a greener and more beautiful place. So it's a it's a pretty big aspiration. It's, a, it's quite a big ask, isn't it? But, but Alistair, specifically for science, science is one of the manifestations of the vision document. Why do we need a science strategy which got launched at the end of last year? I think the science strategy directly aligns with the vision and it's key to enrich people's lives through greening Great Britain, using plants and gardens. We need to face a whole raft of things that are challenging. Pest and disease, climate change, increasing population and horticultural science is part of that solution. Is it true that people recognise that the RHS undertakes science? Do you think that's a message that we've got across loudly enough? And uh, how, if so, how do we play our part in such big issues that you've just outlined? I think the strategy is the part of bringing science more to the forefront and letting more people know what we do and what science we do, particularly in the cultivator plant, horticultural and garden science. So if we, if we take an ex- example of that, so there are roughly sort of 1,500 wild plants in this country, but we think there are 400,000 cultivator plants in our gardens. Wow. And, you know, what use 
um, do those plants have and what used to gardens have to help to provide not only a beautiful place but um, help to deal with some of these key issues that we're facing. Because Sue, you mentioned the vision, which is you know a, a broad, encompassing um, aspiration to help not only gardens but plants, but also the planet. Do you think the RHS is well placed to look at such a broad view? I think we are, because I think we view ourselves. I mean, for for a kickoff, I think not enough people know that we're a charity, and it's great. I mean, I actually come from the commercial world, and it's great to be in a charity that is enabled, we don't get any government grants, so we have commercial activity that we invest then in the science and the different parts that we talk about in our vision in the education of children and people coming into horticulture. So I think we have to have an aspiration as big as this because we have a declining skills force in horticulture and if we don't, for horticulturists, people who work in the gardens, horticultural scientists, as Alistair's, you know, obviously couldn't do all the fantastic work he's just been talking about without trained horticultural scientists, I think the RHS is perfectly placed to really be able to drive this home that this is a profession that we should all be proud of and this country needs more people to come into it. And clearly scientists, as you say, uh, are a key part of that. Well, I think without the scientists, if we don't invest in the future of science, as we will be at Wisley with the new building that we've got coming there, that it will enable so much more research to take place, then the advice we're giving is just opinion. And I think to have this expert, fact-based advice is really, really important for the future of gardens and plants in this country. So, Alistair, when we're talking about science, can you explain a bit about what that means? People understand the concept of what science is, but actually, specifically, what is unique to us and what do we do that others may not? So, we have some really key strengths, and our key strengths are on in-depth botanical studies on cultivated and garden plants. So, we produce monographs on the types of plants that we have. Um, an example of that is Nephorphia. So, we're going to be producing a Nephorphia monograph. Yeah, a red-hot poker. And, and that, um, from that information, we collate the data that then allows us to look at, okay, so how better can we use these plants? How better can we grow them, i.e. conserve them in our gardens? So that's one area. The other thing is that we've got an increasing number of pests and diseases in gardens. We have an, an advisory service, the only advisory service to get information from gardeners. So we, we, un, we get new pests coming in each, each, each year. So looking at how we monitor control and manage those, um, particularly the control and management of them is going to be key. And then the environmental and horticultural science, which is around Greening Great Britain campaign that helps to support that. So, you know, particularly, for example, at the moment, mitigating against flooding issues. Mm. So what, what with the front drives going, obviously you've got this increase in, in flooding. So how you deal with that? And then, as Sue said, sharing that knowledge. We need to inspire people, reconnect people with nature. We need to also educate and create the future horticultural scientists to deal with the challenges now and to deal with the challenges in the future. And how do members get involved? You know, the RHS is a membership organisation. Uh, how do the members benefit or how can they support our work? Oh, green and grey Britain. If they'd all love to go onto the <laughs> RHS website, the overarching theme is called green and grey Britain because we did some research last year that just showed how depressed people get when they look out on a road <laughs> and all they see is grey. Um, so what we're encouraging everyone to do is to go to the website and you'll see green and grey Britain there and promise, doesn't cost anything, just need to click on there and really promise that you are going to turn over at least one square metre. That's one big paving stone is all you have to do. Turn it over and plant something instead. Not only will it make 
it look more beautiful, it will help the extreme climate conditions in some cases that Alice has been talking about, and it will make people much happier. Horticulture makes people happy. Mm-hmm. And, and Alistair, in terms of the um, scientific work, we've heard from Sue about sort of the end result, which would be greening Great Britain or people understanding that front gardens play an important role in flood mitigation. But in terms of some of the other science work, what new work is going to be happening from the RHS as a result of the strategy? So we, we are looking at, in relation to Green and Grey and the health and horticultural aspects. So there's a PhD currently going to be looking at, if we green up a front area, how to do the ecosystem services of that. That basically means the, using the plants and gardens to use functions of those plants to do things like cooling cities, like alleviating flooding, like uh, attracting pollinators. Um, so it's, those plants are pretty and beautiful, but what other services, what other, what other provisions do they give us that are a benefit to us? And how can we choose within our gardens to create beauty, but also to create functionality? There are things on pollution, so looking at pollution mitigation and, and perhaps planting hedgerows that help to reduce pollution and noise. Um, there are research elements on control strategies and integrated garden management techniques so looking at the garden as a whole that sounds quite sciencey what does that mean i mean basically that means looking at the garden as a whole and how can you optimize the plant health within your garden so that could be introducing uh, things like lace wing um, to to help with aphid control Um, it could look at the way that you put plants in there to encourage pollinators but at, at a more depth increasing that knowledge and it strikes me that every scientist likes to be published and every scientist likes to do some research. But it sounds the, the change over the last few years within the RHS has been that actually the science work or the PhDs or the research are much more focused on how our members or how the public might interact with plants rather than just generic horticultural science. Do you feel that's something that's really important that we should be doing over the next few years? Yeah, the rigor needs to keep that evidence base that Sue talks about. <clears throat> we need to continue to publish in journals in relation to the science. The science needs to be um, very high caliber, but what we need to do is utilize the scientific investigation to then turn that into information that the gardeners can use and in a form that's digestible that makes a difference. Sue, you mentioned earlier about um, our vision uh, Mm -hmm. and we have the key investment projects, which are these 10 projects which are really making a change for both members and for the RHS and for gardeners more generally. You also mentioned about the science building in Wisley. Can you just ex- describe a bit more about that? Yes, it's very exciting what's coming at Wisley, actually. I mean, there will be building work from the end of this year right through to the opening of this building in 2018-19. So really this is going to enable us to have far better engagement with every, all of our members and visitors at Wisley, and that's over a million people a year. We'll be able to see... RHS science, read about it, see exhibitions, interpretation, and really engage with our scientists and our gardeners so that they can learn more and understand more and we can share the best in gardening knowledge. So it's going to be a very exciting time. Yeah. Still got to do the fundraising for it, though, so I couldn't <laughs> oh, resist <you're> that <laughs> bit in. You have to get the fundraising <laughs> plug. Ab- absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so you mentioned about the building at Wisley, but... Uh, Science has got to be more than just uh, in a garden or in the southeast. What plans are there for the RHS to get this information further afield? Well, I think uh, I, every time anybody asks me a question, I can't decide quite which of the ten projects are the most exciting. Um, but in many ways, the fact that we have found our fifth garden is so exciting. It's in the northwest. It's just uh, on the very edges of Salford, and it's 
called RHS Bridgewater, and that's going to be opening in 2019, we hope. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got a lot of development, a lot of exciting work to do there to create 150 acres of beautiful gardens. But there's also some fantastic opportunities for science that I'm sure Alistair will tell you about. Great. And yes, Alistair, yeah, how, how are we getting it out further afield and through our new garden or through our work? So, so the, the evidence that we get from our science, we, say we, sh we share and want to share from a central hub of, of Wisley with our scientists out to help to change evidence for policymakers, but also for, from a gardening perspective um, through our website. So you know, we've got millions of people that access our website and we provide information to, to enable them to better garden. And we want to improve the evidence that we do so that we improve the way that people can cultivate their gardens. And as Director of Science, what do you hope, if we were sitting here in three or five years' time, what, what differences do you think uh, the strategy and our work would have made? Um, I think um, better knowledge and use and conservation of garden plants and gardens for dealing with these challenges that we face, uh, better plant health in gardens, um, better use of resources um, while still maintaining beautiful gardens. Resources being? Water energy, chemicals, all of which will become um, less and less available as our populations increase. Um, and training the next horticultural scientists, making sure that we have enough people, enough knowledge and expertise to help to deal with these challenges now well, in the future. And so on a final note, sort of doing full circle back with the vision, where, um, how and where can members get involved? Um, because obviously we talk about a lot of dissemination of science to mm. the public and to everybody, but obviously it's a members' organisation. Yeah. And, and, and what can they be doing or how can we work better with members? Uh, well, of course, uh, we have literally millions of people, uh, members and members of the public, who come and visit us at our gardens, at our shows, on our website. There are fantastic opportunities with Alistair and his team for citizen scientists, opportunities around the country. There are partner gardens of ours that they can go to and find more out about. There are so many places. We have literally well, well over a 1,000 pe people of our members who volunteer. Mm. So I would encourage everyone to have a look at our website, most of all, because all the amazing breadth and depth of the RHS is there, and they will be able to see all the different opportunities there are to get engaged with us, because we would love more and more people to join the RHS and come and see us. It would be great. Sue Biggs, Alistair Griffiths, thank you very much. Chris Young speaking to Sue Biggs and Dr Alastair Griffiths. So how will the strategy affect how our scientists work and how the teams are able to better inform gardeners? Here's Principal Entomologist Andrew Salisbury and Head of Horticultural Information and Advice, Sean Tyrrell. Hi there, it's uh, Andy Salisbury here, Principal Entomologist for the RHS. I'm part of the Plant Health Team, which is made up of several entomologists and uh, plant pathologists. And we provide advice and research on garden pest and disease problems, as well as garden wildlife. Hi, I'm Sean Tyrrell, I'm the Head of Horticultural Information and Advice. Our team, with our research scientists, um, we collect, we build, we manage and we share all the gardening and plant knowledge of the RHS. And for us, this, the science strategy and the investment in the new science building is really exciting because it gives us an amazing opportunity to work more closely with colleagues like Andy and his team. Us in the plant health team and, and the other science teams are actually really excited about what's going on at the moment with this new science building. 
we've been in the current building uh, for about 100 years now. And whilst it was state-of-the-art 100 years ago, the new building is going to provide us with so many more facilities, research laboratories, facilities for storing things like our insect collections, but also engaging with the other departments and the public. I think it's really great that we're going to all be based much closer together in the new building, but also I think there's a huge opportunity uh, for us to engage with the public, with the visitors to Wisley, with children and families. All throughout the building, really, there's going to be a huge uh, event space and exhibition space. We're going to be able to give talks. And for us, that just really helps us to... to share our gardening knowledge and our gardening advice with with much more uh, broad range of people and and for us that's you know that's just so exciting it's the idea that you know we've wanted to do these things for a really long time and this new building will really make it possible sharing advice and information is really what the rhs is all about and we really want people to get the most from their gardens we want them to be successful in their gardening and we really want to share what the rhs knows and what we've learned and of course, through RHS gardening advice, but also through all the times we meet the public at Wisley and at shows, we get a lot of questions from a lot of people. And that really helps us. We can pass that on then to our research colleagues um, who can start looking into those questions and really start to develop the answers that gardeners want to those questions. Yes, and of course, in the science departments, we like passing on the information we find about these pest problems or these uh, or improving gardens for wildlife and uh, informing gardeners how to uh, really enjoy their gardens. We like passing that back on to our advisory colleagues just to make sure that gardeners are fully up to date. Um, And of course, the advice that we're giving and keeping records of that advice helps us inform our research priorities. Uh, For example, we do know that things like slugs and snails are the gardener's biggest pest problem. So we've recently instigated some research being led by one of the entomologists into which products actually do work against uh, slug and snail problems. Another problem is we know that uh, the biggest problem for carrot growers is the carrot fly. We did some research and we, we asked around and we've been, there is advice out there which says you can put barriers up for carrot fly, but we looked into it. And there's no actual scientific evidence. It's not being tested in the field. So this is a sort of research we're doing. But of course, it's not just that. We're not just looking at improving and looking at sustainable pest and disease control. But we're also looking into things like the added value of plants in gardens. What value do garden plants provide for wildlife? For example, we are getting a scientific basis for lists such as our Perfect for Pollinators list, a list of plants and gardens which are great for bees, hoverflies, moths and other pollinators. And recently we have started publishing our results from our uh, Plants for Bugs work, uh, where we found there that garden plants, no matter where they are from in the world, they don't have to be natives, do provide great resources for pollinating insects. And this is is what we we hope to continue. In fact, we will continue with this new science strategy and the um, new science building will enable us to do more and uh, enable us to work closer with the public and with our advisory colleagues. So one of the central points of the RHS science strategy is around plant science for all. And one of the things we really want is to be seen as that golden source of horticultural information. So the RHS is really well placed to act as that central point for really reliable, really good quality information. And we can use that to engage with children, with young people, with gardeners, with anybody who's interested in the outdoors or in plants in any way. And that will be really great because we'll be able to excite them, we'll be able to inspire them, 
um, that's through the new building, but also through all the work that we're doing through our website to really improve that and make it relevant uh, to all kinds of different people and to really put the information there that people want. And that's great. That's all about inspiring young people and about making sure that people understand that plant science is actually really exciting and has real benefits for the world around us. I mean, the RHS has always done great research, and this goes back for, for nearly 200 years. And what the new science strategy has done is it's really given us a bit more focus and reinvigorated some of that research. The research programme is expanding. Uh, we're really looking forward to getting into this new building, which will help us increase the reach of that research and inform and advise and uh, make gardening a better experience for all. The RHS's Principal Entomologist Andrew Salisbury and Head of Horticultural Information and Advice Sean Tyrrell. The New Science Centre and Knowledge Bank at RHS Garden Wisley. It's going to be Britain's first dedicated centre of excellence in horticultural and environmental science, taxonomy and plant health. And it's not just for men and women in white coats. The centre will be combined with an inspirational and educational visitor hub, aiming to nurture the scientists and horticulturists of the future when it opens in 2019. So, let's meet some of the people who'll be working in the facility and learn more about the work they'll be doing to help gardeners garden. Hello, I'm Louise. I'm a herbarium digitizer at RHS Wisley. Um, we're down in the herbarium, which is a collection of dried pressed plants, kind of as a, a plant museum. Um, in here, we keep plants that are pressed, dried and mounted on a sheet in an um, organised manner in the special cupboards. Um, the main purpose of a herbarium is to facilitate the research of taxon the taxonomy of plants. By using the herbarium, you're able to look at the plants that sometimes you wouldn't be able to see if the wild, fresh material isn't available. Wisley's herbarium specialises in ornamental cultivated plants, which is a collection of dried material as well as paintings and slides. Um, all of this is used by our botanists. They use it to compare plants that they're sent from advisory from our members to see whether the plants that they have been sent are the ones that we have in the herbarium. We have um, lots of ongoing projects in the herbarium due to the new science strategy. One of these is the herbarium project which by getting all the plant specimens into digital form we will be able to share these with our members, researchers and other interested parties through what we're going to call the virtual herbarium. Uh, this virtual herbarium will allow these people to see the plants that unless they want to travel to the herbarium they would otherwise not be able to see. Um, the digital specimens that we have are done to a very high quality which means that it's basically like looking down um, an, a hand lens. You can see the hairs and all the other features that you might want to see for identification or research purposes. The new science building at Wisley is an exciting time for the herbarium. It will be housed in a fit-for-purpose building. These collections will be held at a steady temperature and humidity. With this and the exclusion of light, will slow the deterioration of the specimens, which is obviously of the most importance. As well as housing the specimens in a custom-built facility, it will give better consultation areas to study the collection, improved access for our members and researchers, as well as better archival storage for the specimens. My name is Rosalind Marshall and I work here at RHS Wisley as a monographer. So my job is to compile monographs. Um, a monograph, in a broad sense, is a work dedicated to one subject and in botany this subject is always one taxonomic group of plants and this is usually a genus of plants and um, at the moment we're working on ivies. 
uh, monograph, it brings together all the information related to one plant group into one resource, which is really important for gardeners and for researchers to access. Um, to compile this, I've been working with botanists. Um, they've compiled a very scientific monograph. And here at RHS Wisley, we've added some more horticultural information and also some of the background information, IVs through um, cultural history and things like that. Our research here is all based on communication and a monograph is a neat way of bringing together all the information attached to one plant group to provide a complete picture of the species, its diversity, its uses, and its contributions to ecology, so ecosystem services and wider, just to really get the full potential out of the plants. For a gardener, this can be really useful to get access to all the information about the full diversity of the plants available from one genus. It's amazing how diverse one genera of plants can be, especially ivies that you might think it's just one climbing plant, a very vigorous thing that you really want to get rid of. How can you write a monograph all about that one plant? Botany, and in particular the taxonomy, the naming of plants, is a really undervalued as subject, and people often overlook the naming of plants. But it's really, really important to be able to access the information surrounding one plant. You need to be sure of the name of it. You need to know exactly what you're looking at to grow it properly and get the best out of your gardens. My name is Paul Alexander. I'm the Head of Horticultural and Environmental Science here for the RHS. My team are responsible for all things soils, growing media, um, urban planting, um, ecosystem services of plants, the values of plants within the, uh, the wider environment, not just aesthetic, but their ability to absorb water, mitigating flooding, capturing pollution, etc., etc. And my team also, or through myself, we pick up the health benefits of garden, be they physical and mental health. In terms of the science strategy, for the first time we will have a focus very much on what it is we intend to do. So we're very much guided with a clearer idea of what it is we're trying to achieve and how we're going to get there and how we manage our resources to achieve those objectives. For my team, it, it again provides all of them focus. They all are working within specific areas and it gives them the guidance as to what they can do, what they'd like to do, but also the bits that they can actually turn away and, and, and not explore. For the first time, we'll actually have a horticulture and environmental research laboratory. This obviously allows us to undertake more research, but also better quality research. And those facilities will enable us to not only house our own scientists, but also accommodate students. As part of Horticulture Matters, we're very keen to give students a chance, and PhD students and MSc students. And for the first time, these sort of facilities will really allow us to host students on our site and really get involved in, in their work as well. And all of this work is pointing towards the in the direction of the science strategy and satisfying the aims and objectives of, of that wider strategy. There are four or five key areas, um, soil management, um, growing media, ecosystem services and, and urban greening. In terms of soil management, um, there's a focus very much on exploring what soil health actually is, but also in trying to educate gardeners so that they understand concepts of soil health better, they get the benefits then in terms of a, a healthier garden and a more vibrant garden.
Um, the second area of interest is on uh, growing media and exploring sustainable use of growing media. We have an ongoing RHS AHDB fellowship that is exploring the raw materials and the ingredients that go into making up growing media itself. And can we move away from peat-based systems? What are the advantages of non-peat-based materials in terms of how much water or nutrition we need to add to these systems? So essentially, can we explore options to reduce our need for water and nutrition because they are all limited in supply? In terms of ecosystem services, we are very keen to highlight the added value of plants in an urban environment and, and in a rural environment. So it's not just about the aesthetic value of the plants. These plants can also help with flood mitigation by at least holding water back if not absorbing it but they can also act as pollutant intercepts and I have colleagues in my team who have shown the value of plants in terms of reducing localised air temperatures. So urban heat islands effect, there is a massive value of plants particularly in the urban environment to act as a kind of an air conditioning unit. So for us, the, the, the science strategy and the investment programme offers a, a fantastic opportunity for us to not only focus our research on specific areas, but deliver actual change for gardeners in terms of their practice and their experience. And we're very conscious that it's, we can't just ask people to change their practice to garden more sustainably. We want gardeners to enjoy it even more. And we think by by taking gardeners with us as we learn a lot of this information helps them not only garden more sustainably but they'll enjoy the experience and enjoy gardening more. The final element of, of our programme of work is really on the health benefits of gardening and by using um, or by employing PhD students we are exploring not only the physical effects of gardening on human health but also the mental effects. This is very much as part of the strategy for illustrating the value of gardening and what roles it can play within a wider societal benefit. In terms of physical benefits, we have a link with Coventry University that is looking at tool design in a, in a bid to try and help gardeners for garden for longer and into an older age. Um, so can tools be designed better to enable gardeners to carry on gardening? The mental health is, is the first time we've explored the mental health benefits of green space with a link with Sheffield University because again it ties in with the value of urban greening. Is there more to planting in an urban environment than just the ecosystem service values, the aesthetic values? Can we also show what a positive mental effect it has on people? There is a lot of anecdotal evidence out there and we're looking to find more robust evidence that supports that kind of story. Members of the RHS Science Team. To find out more about the RHS Science Strategy and forthcoming RHS research projects, just go to our website, rhs.org.uk forward slash science. I, for one, am extremely excited about the work that is planned and how it will help to inform the advice that myself and my colleagues here at RHS Gardening Advice Service give to our members on a daily basis.
Make sure you look out for future RHS Gardening podcast specials throughout 2016. And if you haven't already, subscribe to our free fortnightly podcasts on iTunes. And don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS. For now, from me, Jenny Bowden, and all the RHS podcast and science teams, goodbye. Goodbye.